2: the matchups the superstars the games starting defense place at the table Woo! this is football sunday on the fan a comprehensive look at today's national football league action with your hosts mike lynch and rashad taylor you all know what you have to do remember no one and i mean no one comes into our house and pushes us around this is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Happy Sunday morning, everybody. We are
3: back in the saddle again. Well, well, most of us are. Well, yeah, Joe is out today, but the show is back after taking the Thanksgiving weekend off. How was your Thanksgiving, sir?
4: You know what, Lynch? I, I got to be honest, man. It was it was good. I, uh, I hosted for the first time.
3: I got to be honest it was good yeah you know honestly i thought you were you know, about to say it
4: sucked no no thanksgiving number one if your thanksgiving sucks it's because your food probably isn't very good you know and so um no i got a chance to host thanksgiving this year which is which is different um it's just me and my son living together so my spot isn't like huge and my family is you know a pretty relatively large-ish family mm-hmm. and so uh Trying to cram everybody into my spot was a was a task. You know, had to had to play some uh, some Jenga, some Legos, just to make sure everything could fit.
3: It's always really funny. I see people post pictures of their you know families' Thanksgivings. No matter the size of the house that you have, well, I shouldn't say no matter the biggest houses. You should just have one very long table that is still fitting right. in the dining room. But generally speaking, everyone has Thanksgiving, and there are tables in multiple places. You know, for me growing up, there was the well. For me growing up there was one long table but they put a picnic table at the end of the long table and that was the kids table. Oh of course. So we didn't get chairs, we got the picnic benches. Yeah. Uh now where my aunt and uncle live which is where we have Thanksgiving, they put the kids table over in like behind the uh the, uh, the like breakfast bar for the kitchen. And there's like there's like a small little circular table and like four kids sit over there and then everyone else sits at the dining room table. I always like looking at the pictures where like they're, they try to keep the table connected, but it's making an L shape over here. Cause that's where the two rooms go. Right. It's kind of like a little, yeah. a fun little thing to look at for me. Yeah, you know,
4: know, for, you know, I, my family never did the long table thing. Usually the long table is where all the food sits. Uh, because I think at least for my table and, and I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but uh, there's, more food than will fit on a, you know, a regular long kind of dining table.
3: We do buffet style now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We leave it in the kitchen. Everyone fills their plate and then goes. Yeah.
4: Yeah. You know, because now there are so many additional, you know, options for food that everything is not going to fit on the table. So my family is never, I can't ever remember sitting at a table, like a long table with the family and doing that. There's always individual tables and people are sitting in the living room and they're you know, sitting anywhere there is a table or a TV tray or something and the television. So it's just like
3: a ton of people there for it's the a, party, but it's, it's not a like free a dinner for all. table thing. Yeah, no,
4: it's a free for all. It's like once it's time to eat, you know, after prayers and stuff are said, once it's time to eat, hey man, get in where you can, you know. And so sometimes depending on how many people are there, that means you're standing in the, in the kitchen, just kind of eating by the sink, just because there's not a, you know, not a whole, whole lot of, uh, especially of when you have a, especially it's when you have a lot of people, not really. I mean, when you have a, cause somebody's, usually sitting there, standing there with you, you know, eating and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things, like, especially if there's a lot of people and visitors start showing up and the homies show up and, you know, aunts or uncles that you haven't seen in some time, you know, then all of a sudden, yeah, seats become a little scarce. So you make do. Older people definitely get a seat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're definitely not going to have grandma, you know, sitting at the, or standing by the sink, you know right. she she can have the nice comfortable seat on the couch. All
3: right, so continue. You're having it at your place.
4: No, that was that was pretty much it. Just had a bunch of family over, and you know, some uh, got one of those Popeyes turkeys. Oh, awesome! Really? By by the way, you know, so I don't want to do any plugs for them, but jeez Louise, like I'm not a big turkey guy.
3: No, nor am I.
4: Yeah, I mean turkey is just it's just a it's a big dry ass chicken. You well, know. at least
3: the white meat is dry. Yes, the dark, yeah, you know, dark, the dark meat, meat is, tends to
4: be good. It is pretty good. But this turkey is like it's already a fried one, and it's been just been frozen and stuff. So, oh, my god,
3: yeah. So it I was I will always eat turkey at Thanksgiving because it is the protein, and you'd like to have some protein to mix with your and mashed potatoes and yet. stuffing. Uh, we don't eat ham at Thanksgiving, but I'm sure I would enjoy it more than turkey. Um, but for the first time, my uncle smoked the turkey in his Traeger. He has a new Traeger grill. And they had the regular turkey, which they just cook in the oven, and of course. then they had the smoked turkey. Boy, Oh, that, that trigger turkey, makes a difference. That smoked turkey was something different. Yeah, yeah. like I, I have, I've always been like, okay, you know, this, the turkey's fine. You know, the gravy makes it better. You know, it tastes good with the mashed potatoes. If you do, if you're one of those who likes to mix everything on the plate, I am. Um, and this one was just like, oh my god! And they made this special—I don't know what to call it. Like it, it was basically like a, a sauce. That had some thyme and some other things in it. That was only meant for the smoked turkey, and it was so good. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, I hate. Why is this the first time you're smoking this, Uncle John?
4: Like, please do this more. This yes. actually makes the turkey good. Yes, Uncle John always smoke. I, honestly, I feel like the oven baked turkey is passe. You know, if you're not deep frying your turkey or putting it on the Traeger, I know the. I was as I'm looking through. a the the Facebook feed and everything like that. I'm seeing everybody pull out their smoked turkey that they decided to do this year. Or everybody's comfortable enough, a lot of people, with finally trying to fry one. I'm not yet. That's but terrifying. Yeah. No, you see i see all c- those
3: videos of it like lighting on fire immediately. Yeah, and or, then, like and the then pressure makes it explode.
4: Yeah. And then you have no place to live. So I don't wanna be that guy. No, thank you. I'll just buy the Popeyes one. So but no, other than that it was it was good. No complaints.
3: Yeah, my Thanksgiving was good too. We hadn't had it for, you know, since COVID. So yeah. it was it was nice to get to go back and see some family. Not everybody came, but uh, basically it was the the general group that I do hang out with there, which is my parents and I and my girlfriend and then my aunt and uncle, cousin, and her husband. That's like the uh, the eight of us. That's mm-hmm. like the core group in my family for us. And then we had a couple other people come, which was nice, and that was it. So it was still fairly small, and food was fantastic. It was it, The desserts were amazing as per usual. Um, it was funny somebody brought it some uh, my uncle's company gave him a pie and it was a buttermilk pie which I'd never had before and then my aunt made her usual pies and she's she's a good baker and I tried a little bit of all the pies and then I tried the pie that was given to my uncle from his work and it was like uh, what is this this is disgusting and it was like, it was such like a, a stark difference between like my aunt makes really good pies and
4: this company gave us this one. Yeah. So we might as well try Buttermilk it. Buttermilk pie doesn't it doesn't sound appetizing. Just it doesn't you know, look appetizing. It's not bad. It's just weird. So I gotta be honest, Lynch. I'm I'm not a dessert guy. Like, I mean, and mind you, I don't it's not that I think desserts are bad. They they're tasty. It's just like I think after I've eaten mac and cheese and, you know, mashed potatoes and gravy and all these different, you know, starches and mm-hmm. different things, by the time I'm done and I've eaten a, a bunch of turkey. I'm not, I'm not super concerned with going to get a piece of pie or a piece of cake.
3: I am also not necessarily a dessert person anymore, but I will make an exception for pie. Pie is my favorite, and uh, there's so much pie there that I have to. Plus, we wait like an hour and a half or two hours between eating until the dessert comes. So you know you got some time for your stomach to settle a little bit. But Thanksgiving is about being sick, like that's part of it. So I have you kind of just shovel the pie on top of all that. Listen,
4: turkey. I've I've been so great about working out for you know a little over a year now man thanksgiving came and i think i've worked out twice since since that day and it's like okay man I'm, that, that I laziness like, had it yeah that back. laziness that it hit initially because you know working out is already kind of tough yep. and it's one of those things if like you're if you're
3: doing you, it regularly it's yeah some days are, are yeah, yeah somebody's together. like
4: okay this this is hard and so yeah since then i haven't been able to find that consistency so hopefully monday is when i snap out of it and get back to it because you know thanksgiving was was rough on the old the old abdomen area (laughs) boy and it was interesting
3: you mentioned mac and cheese we're not a mac and cheese thanksgiving family and again i think it's a cultural thing man. well it's regional and cultural for sure but uh I, i looked at a map somebody had posted like everyone's favorite side dishes per state and the southeast of the country was all mac and cheese and then Uh, You know, it was mixed generally throughout like mashed potatoes or this or that or the other thing. And then there was a little pocket in Jersey, New York and Connecticut that was all stuffing. And I love stuffing. It is my favorite side dish. I thought everybody did. Apparently not. A lot of people don't like stuffing or they think it's overrated. But I thought it was really interesting that regionally where I grew up, everyone loves stuffing and I love stuffing. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's And generally people are like,
4: "Eh, I'll take it." Or and it. again, uh we don't have stuffing. You don't have we stuffing. Have, we have dressing. Oh, it's the same thing is with a is different the, name. The same thing, but there's, you know, might be some uh pieces of turkey necks in there, turkey neck meat and stuff like that in in between there, so Interesting yeah, that it's a different name. Pr- pretty Oh yeah, pretty good. And it's I mean, I don't know if if traditionally you guys still stuff the turkey with stuffing? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's not. Yeah, that's not something that happens anymore.
3: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's it's chestnut stuffing is the the main one, and she had one that had figs in it as well, which was very tasty.
4: That's that's fancy. Yeah, you know, we figs. Well,
3: you know me, <laughs> <laughs> figs versus turkey necks, right? That's I'll take the, it, man. That's the that's the difference. All right, well, we got some uh, football to get to today. Although it is certainly depressing, I don't know if it's all too unexpected that Oregon lost to Utah again in the Pac-12 title game. We will get to that. We are getting dangerously close to the end of the nfl regular season it has come and gone very very quickly so like we do every once in a while uh we will take a little gander at the standings and and some teams of note and also i would i haven't heard rashad's opinion on this yet the seahawks are bad like bad bad really and it feels like it is time for change so who or what change do you think needs to happen in seattle We'll get to that as well. And fantasy football, or sorry, fantasy football scramble, fantasy scramble coming up at 930. We will be joined by Jesse Osmond from Explicit Fantasy Football to answer your fantasy starts it needs. Uh, so text 503-250-1080 throughout the show, and we'll get to as many of those as we can at 930. But we will begin with Oregon losing big to Utah on Friday night. This is Football Sunday
0: on the fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
1: post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
3: 8.17 here on your Sunday morning. Mike and Rashad with you. Joe is out today. As as such, we will not be having a hate it or love it, but we still have Fantasy Scramble coming up at 9.30 with Jesse Osmond. So text in any fantasy football start sick questions you may have. If you do have them, we will get to them as much or as many as we can at the nine thirty segment, but actual title game was on Friday. It was the rematch between Oregon and Utah that went so poorly for the ducks just a couple of weeks ago. And well, it went so poorly for the ducks yet again, almost ident- identical game. It felt like watching it 38 to 10, the final score, Utah beats Oregon. And there's so many different layers to begin with this game. But I think it would behoove me, behoove all of us to begin with the elephant in the room, and that's Mario Cristobal. And the reason it's an elephant in the room is the reports are out that Miami is trying very hard to get Cristobal as their next head coach. Oregon has also given him a contract extension offer because they don't want him to leave. You know All the things you may say about his on-the-field X's and O's stuff. Boys, he'd been great for the program recruiting-wise, getting talent in kind of building up the base of the program Uh, to a point where in the next two years, the expectation is those next two years, not this year, are going to be the special ones because you've had so many great players Mm -hmm. come into the program or commit to the program. But I thought a lot during that game, how much is Mario Cristobal in this game right now? You know, he's a professional. He wants to win. It's his job. It's actually not just the Miami thing. His mom is sick as well, and he's he's had that weighing on him. Uh, you know, he he flew back to Miami to go see her at some point in the last two weeks. I remember reading an article, um, so he is, you know, certainly feeling that as well. But I was watching the game. I was watching the game plan go the same as 14 days prior, and thinking, what is going on with your head coach? that you get absolutely embarrassed by this team two weeks prior and come out with the ex- – what it, w- it wasn't the exact same game plan, but it felt the same. Everything you were doing felt exactly the same as that original Utah game. It didn't help that you uh, wound up getting scored on in the first drive, which certainly set the momentum. It also didn't help that the refs didn't call down for a review on that fourth and one on the first drive that looked short, that they kept going. Uh, also, the weird pass interference call—it was a lot in that first drive, but it just felt so strange. The vibe of the team felt wrong, and to me, that begins at one place, and that's your head coach. And it made me think about the elephant in the room: is—is is he considering leaving for Miami? Because that's where he went to school, that's where he's from, you know, that's that's where his family lives—not his wife and kids, but his, you know, his extended family lives in the in the South Florida area. Is that something he would seriously consider? And I, and I wonder if that had an effect at all on the game.
4: Uh, I think it's something you have to consider. Um, I mean, just being honest, Lynch, if, if right now Syracuse is like, we want to make you the voice of men's basketball here, it, it would be hard for you to say no just because that's your alma mater. That's where you spent time. That's where you're able to grow up. That's where, you know, all those things. So uh, I think it, it'd be hard for ball. Just like we were having this, a similar – I think it's funny – Just today, uh, an old um, memory popped up on Facebook, and it was me saying, if you're mad at Willie Taggart for going to Florida State, then you're a hater. Basically because here's a guy that's going to, you know, I think he went to Florida State, correct? Mm -hmm. That was his alma mater, wanted to go there. It's It's a dream job. Again, they've had... Just a few coaches. I don't there. think it was his alma mater, was it? Was it? I don't know. I don't. Know. Did he work there or something like that?
3: I just think he wanted. I know to he be, would just be. In he the, was a ladder climber, so I think it was like, "Hey, Florida State." I can't I remember if it
4: man. Text line. Let, let me know if I am wrong. I probably am, but either way, this was this was his dream job. Like, if you didn't go to U of O, and but you always grew up supporting the team and wanting to, you know, and you finally get a chance to start coaching, you get an opportunity to coach there. He went to Western Kentucky, by the way. Okay, which he had yeah. already
3: coached before he went to Oregon. Okay,
4: thank you. So, I mean, I don't. I'm not mad at him for looking at other opportunities. I do think he's his job isn't done here. I think he's, uh, if you look at the past Oregon coaches, at least, you know, uh, even even a Bilotti, because Bilotti should have played in a national championship back in 2000, uh, 2002. That should have been them and uh, Oregon and not, um, who was it, Nebraska, who played in the national championship that year against Miami. They probably would have been destroyed but that shouldn't have been that. That Miami but team was Chip- something special. Yeah, they were. But uh, Chip Kelly and his Ducks national championship game. Uh, um, Mark, St- Helfrich. Mark Helfrich and and his team national championship game. Now here we are with the you know really the probably the fourth or fifth best coach that Oregon has had thus far, and the one thing he hasn't done is make it to the playoff or a national championship game. And it's not like he hasn't had like Justin Herbert is a much better pro than Mario or excuse me than uh a Marcus Mariota is at this point. So like you, you still got some work to do. I don't know if you're going to be able to do that right now at Miami. Miami still got a lot of, of work to do. But I think the
3: thing is, is if he goes to Miami, he's going for home. Absolutely. More than the job, because although the ceiling of Miami could potentially be higher than the ceiling of Oregon, based on the talent that lives in the area that is all local to Florida and where Miami has been, in the past uh, the ceiling could be higher maybe just by a smidgen but higher but he would be going purely for i want to go home yeah. more m- than more than anything
4: else. And, and the recruiting part might be a, an issue because miami's a private school people forget that part sure. and so uh, there is a certain gpa requirement that players are going to have to have and and a lot well, of i'm cases- sure they
3: follow that very strictly at oh well, yeah
4: i mean uh, shoot there's a reason miami is where it is because they haven't got that five-star talent you know in a really long time but in, in regards to the game um I don't know if that was on his mind I think this was just same this is this is just who Mario Cristobal is honestly it, as, as a head coach as a play caller this is just what he is
3: there there have been and Suk was talking alluding to this talking about this last week there are plenty of of rumblings there's smoke and where there's smoke there's fire that he is incredibly difficult to work for You know, the reason that Joe Moorhead is leaving for Akron, yes, I know he coached there at one point. Akron is one of the worst FBS schools football-wise in the country and has been historically. Joe Moorhead could could have waited another year and gotten a top-tier head coaching job again. Remember, he was at Mississippi State before he came to Oregon as the OC, as the head coach there. But he's going to Akron partially for, yeah, this is home, but also from the things that we've been hearing, because he and Mario Cristobal clash and Cristobal holds grudges and is a really difficult person to work for. Because it's his way or the highway, right? And Seems you
4: bring like it, a red ass in that in, in that regard.
3: Well, he's a college football coach, of yeah. course, he's a red ass. But you know, it's you bring in an offensive coordinator who's known as having a, you know, really kind of intricate, high, fast paced moving offense, and you put the coordinator in a box and say, We're only doing this. And, you know, he listens, right? You're the head coach. You make the decisions. But you really limit a guy that you brought in to be something better. You know, there that is something that is another thing that he needs to work on. And it's, it's one of those things where Cristobal is elite as a recruiter. He's elite as a relationship builder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in-game, he's not. And apparently, as relationships with his coaches, he's not really elite either. And it's that, – that could be the problem where that's just Mario Cristobal and that's how it's going to be, but on the flip side, it's like he's got to be able to to realize that if, at some point that some of this is on him.
4: Yeah, and I think I think it's easy to have an attitude like that or, or kind of carry yourself like that when you've when you've done consistent winning, and not to say the crystal ball, you, you know, know, ten has win it. season is still you a know, great season. Yeah, ten, oh, ten, 10 win season is a great season. That's that's what I'll hopefully we'll talk about this later because I don't want people to get so hung up on the fact that the ducks aren't playing in the playoff uh, 10 and three is a hell of a season. Like that's, that's, I mean, I, people get raises and contract extensions based on being 10 and three. So, you know, the, the ball goes your way in a few games, uh, uh, actually in against Utah, a, a lot of different <laughs> ways it has to go. But if you get maybe one of those wins, then you're, you're, a you're an 11 win team. And how many of those are there actually in college football? So if you're a Ducks fan, just be happy that you had a successful season. Be happy that your team uh, was competitive, even with all the the blemishes that you know and the pimples that uh, Oregon may have right now. Um, 13, eleven wins, ten wins is ten wins in a college football season, and that's huge. And they have an opportunity to possibly make it eleven in a bowl game. The other part of this is
3: is the quarterback angle. To me, uh, I mean, the game was the game. Utah, the first time, was more physical than Oregon was, and it happened again. Mm-hmm. You could tell the mentality was different between the two teams, and you could tell from the get-go that it was going to be a very similar game, especially after Oregon's first drive, and you're like, okay. I could see it.
4: I, it's I, happening I was, again. It was weird. I was sitting there with my guy, and uh, that first pass, I was like, Anthony Brown looks scared. Like, he looks like he's nervous to play mm-hmm. in this game. Like, he's so worried about making mistakes that what do you do? You make mistakes. Yep. And that's what he was doing in that game it was like, okay. At a point, you just – Just sit him down. This isn't working.
3: But the quarterback play is certainly something that needs to be discussed. We'll get to that next because Justin Herbert was shackled and was not the Justin Herbert that we've seen in the NFL when he was with the Ducks with Mario Cristobal as the head coach. Marcus Arroyo was the OC. Obviously, Anthony Brown is not Justin Herbert, but Anthony Brown has been really, really bad for most of the year. He's had two good games. I shouldn't say really bad. He's been really average for most of the year. Game manager. If he was really bad, they wouldn't have won 10 games. But um, he had two good games all year. That's it. The Ohio State game and the Oregon State game were the only two games that Anthony Brown played where I was like, damn, Anthony Brown helped them win this game. The problem for me is you shackled Justin Herbert. Anthony Brown didn't live up to the potential or the hype, and yet you had two freshmen that were sitting there who apparently – in practice, are also not living up to the hype because you probably would have given them one of them a chance at this point. We'll get to that next. First, I have sports.
1: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s. It's over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch
2: Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 8.32 here on
3: your Sunday morning. Mike and Rashad with you. Joe is out today. If you want to be involved in the fantasy scramble, we'll be getting to that at 9.30. If you have any fantasy football starts to questions, text them 503-250-1080. We'll get to as many as we can in that segment. But we're talking about the Ducks loss in the Pac-12 title game to Utah. (laughs) Mario Cristobal discussed whether or not he's going to stay with Miami, reportedly an option on the table, as well as the fact that he is really, really stubborn with his offensive game plan. But the other question is the quarterbacks. And look, here's the thing about Cristobal that you can't talk out of both sides of of your mouth. Cristobal is an amazing recruiter who has done a ton for this program in terms of bringing talent in, in terms of raising the profile of the type of kid who'd be willing to come to Oregon in the first place. But that doesn't change the fact that so far the quarterback position has been one of mass difficulty for him as a head coach. You had the first-round pick in Justin Herbert there, and he was really inconsistent. Better than Anthony Brown ever was, but really inconsistent to the point where it fooled me and fooled a lot of people into thinking he might not be a good NFL quarterback because of how we saw him play with the Ducks. You know, he had the intangibles, of course. He's big, a great arm. You know, he, all the stuff that NFL teams will fawn over. But watching him week in, week out, it was like, man, he can't make too many bad decisions. He can't handle the pressure. He, he doesn't go through his reads very well. And you see Anthony Brown, you know he's no, nowhere near as good as Justin Herbert. He has a really rough season, a couple of really good games. Beyond that, he was really, really average. And then, you know, we've heard a lot of analysts say this, and I agree with this. Remember when Herbert and Mariota were talked about after spring ball, like, oh, my God, they have a really good quarterback no one's ever heard of who might win the starting job? You haven't heard that out of the Ducks this year. Everyone wanted them to go to Ty Thompson or Jay Butterfield or Robert Ashford, whoever it is that you wanted them to go to because Anthony Brown was so mediocre. But yet everybody's been saying, those who have been very tuned into the Ducks, well, we don't hear anything about those players in camp. Normally, if they're pushing for the spot, you hear about it, and they haven't. Which makes me wonder, are those guys going to be good next year? Mm -hmm. You know, Next year, they're going to have the quarterback battle to decide who's going to be the starter moving forward. The other one's almost guaranteed going to transfer, which I think is part of the reason why they didn't make that choice this year. But... Do we have a potential quarterback development problem to go along with play calling that certainly is uncreative? I I think we're kind of at that point. I think we'll see for sure next year with how Ty Thompson or whoever wins the job does. Is is that a problem for this coaching staff
4: as well? What was like the biggest compliment that we were given Willie Taggart when he was the coach of the Ducks? He brought excitement. He was a great recruiter. Oh yeah! Everybody loved the way he recruited kids and went out and found those kids, and they want to play for him. What's the biggest compliment that we give Mario Cristobal? Same, he's a great recruiter. Mm-hmm. He knows how to go out there and get in that that living room and and sway your parents and sway you on the jerseys or whatever it sway is. Sway your pants. Sway your parents, <laughs> <laughs> sicko, and and you know really talk to you know everybody about you know coming to Eugene. Let's 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 look at that in itself, like. Those of us who live here in the state of Oregon, uh, and this is no disrespect to the University of Oregon. This is no disrespect to Oregon State, but Corvallis and Eugene aren't cool college cities, even a little bit. No. It's just what it is. And that's not, again, not saying say anything about you or your schools. It's just kind of what it is. And well, that's
3: Corvallis a, is like a classic
4: college town. Cor- Cor- Corvallis is more a college town than Eugene yes, for sure. Yeah, but still— not a cool one. It's you not know? L.A. Yeah, not not at all. And it's not Louisiana. It's not, you know, Miami and all these different places. But the one issue that I think we've had is just he hasn't found outside of Justin Herbert. And I don't know if maybe. Well, he didn't find him. He, he didn't. That wasn't his guy. And that's no. what I was going to say. Justin Herbert wasn't his guy. And so far, like, we know that you can recruit the Noah Sewells. We know that you can recruit the the um, Kayvon Thibodeaux. Like, we, we. OK, we get that at this point can you go out and get a, a star receiver can you go out and get uh, a, a star quarterback and at this point it doesn't look like that's the case because i feel like if you did get star quarterbacks you did get star receivers you probably wouldn't see the this kind of slow pace slow bop offense that you have in a lot of ways with
3: oregon and see that's the thing i don't think that's true i think you've had some star receivers i think micah Pittman was really micah good.
4: Pittman was very good
3: and he's leaving because Mario Cristobal runs an offense that doesn't throw to the receiver. Also there's probably other things going on there, of course. I think that's part of the reason. You know, there there may have been some personal stuff going on. The fact that Pittman's family came out first and was talking kind of crap about the Ducks before he transferred, something was going on there. But you have Chris Hudson, the, the freshman this year, is a very talented receiver. You have a quarterback who doesn't throw the ball. He can't throw the ball down the field, first of all. Or he doesn't see wide-open guys down the field. We've I, talked about that multiple times throughout the year. There was a
4: play yesterday, or excuse me, Friday night, where um, he threw an interception, uh, and it was like on a, just a, a, a short route, and it got picked off. But, man, you look to the right, and I can't remember who the receiver was, but he's wide open. That's six points Yeah. if he can, if he uh, throws that ball to him. But it was just, what are you doing?
3: I think the thing is, is and that's why I've said this on the show before, is if you're an Oregon fan and you and Mario Cristobal is your coach, there are certain things you have to accept. And one of those things is the offense is not going to be very fun. It may get the job done. you know. I think losing C.J. Verdell was massive because you rely so much on the run game. And Travis Dye did phenomenally stepping in for him. But you needed a little bit of that ground-and-pound muscle against teams like Utah that C.J. Verdell brings more so than Travis Dye. But what you have to accept is that's just how it's going to be. This is the offense. This is what he wants to run. And one of his biggest negatives is he seems very stubborn in that fact. One of the things that Nick Saban did, and he's trying to mimic Saban. He was on Saban's coaching staff, don't forget, before he, he wound up at Oregon, is Saban eventually evolved. Saban runs offenses now I was about to say based that, right? on the teams that he has versus like I have to stick to this ground and pound style that has worked for so many years. I mean, watching an Alabama offense now is totally different than it used to be. 100%. Alabama just put up 40 points on one of the greatest defenses I've ever seen in college football, and, you know, I've I've only been watching for the last 15 years. But, you know, Georgia's defense this year was insanely, stupidly good. And Alabama was just like, eh. (laughs) Here's 40 points. points. Take that. Sorry, here goes your undefeated season. And and
4: I think that's the thing. We've we've often talked in in the past about the SEC being – slow grinded out you know kind of hard nose ground and pound football and the truth is man it's getting more and more exciting um was it Lane Kiffin that that used to be uh Alabama's head coach and came in and said man let's do some stuff we got these guys out here these athletes like we can we can move some stuff around and 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 see what happens and all of a sudden what do you know Nick Saban starts recruiting great quarterbacks that can that can move and can play and one of them is going to win the Heisman you know uh here in in a couple of weeks or a couple of days when is the Heisman ceremony
2: i don't, I don't know i, <laughs> I have
4: no idea but georgia you know is putting 45 56 41 43 like you don't do that just running the ball all day you have to spread the ball out and you have to go deep and you have to let your athletes make plays for you so i just i think just being good enough and just being a, an offense that can beat pac 12 teams uh isn't enough anymore like it's not, especially if you get to the playoff and you do it. Did you see the Cincinnati game yesterday and how they turned it up against Houston yeah, at yep. a point? Like these are teams that are throwing down the field and trying to make plays down the field, big plays. And if you're not willing to do that, then you you're predictable. And we know exactly if you're going to throw short every time, and we're gonna we're gonna take that away from you.
3: I do think I do think some of that is because Anthony Brown clearly can't do the more is, than we've that. We've
4: seen him kind of do it at points, but then it's like okay. They'll do it again and overthrow someone by ten yards. It's like okay, never but
3: mind. The, but this goes beyond Anthony Brown to me, and that's my concern: is if Chris Ball stays with the Ducks, I th- I think he should. I think it's he should see through what he's built instead of going and tra- having to rebuild something again. Especially Miami seems like such a cluster right now. They've got so many boosters and so many people in the search that it's it just seems like a lot. Um, he needs to look in the mirror and have a thought of. I know what works, but I need to be open to some of the things that I do that don't work. You can still want to control the clock and be the more physical team and and win at the line of scrimmage and also be a little bit more open in your offense. Both of those things can be true. You will lose some of the physicality with that, but in games like that against Utah, when you're down early by multiple scores, what are you going to do? You can't just keep going back to the same old, same old. You got to change it up
4: admitting that would mean that he was wrong and as a coach that his system doesn't work. And, and we know that most coaches aren't going to do that.
3: And, yeah. I mean, like, like I said, Suk brought this up, and he would know a lot more people than I would. But from what I've heard, too, he does not like being wrong. He does not like being stood up to. Like he, It's his way or the highway. That's, it's that simple. And so far, in my opinion, that's his greatest flaw. But, yeah, so Oregon loses. They will not be in the Rose Bowl, uh, probably the Vegas Bowl. Maybe I don't, I don't. I don't know what the next bowl is for for the Pac-12 after that, but uh, we'll we'll find out soon enough which bowl they get to. Let's uh, let's take a quick little basketball detour before we get to the final hour. The Blazers got annihilated. I don't care. The news is Neil O'Shea is out. Woo. Mr. Step on Rashad's shoes ten years ago that's what is he gets. gone.
4: It was, and it was three years ago. Lynch, don't do that. It wasn't three years ago. It was three. I thought it was longer than that. No, no, it was three. It was right before the uh,
3: uh, the pandemic. Oh, okay. Ten yeah. years was an exaggeration, yeah. but I thought it was. I thought it was more recent. Or should have apologized.
4: That's what happened.
3: You get fired three years later for hey. something that's not related to that at all. Hey, it's a part of it. It goes. I guess it, it is technically a little bit related. Yeah. Olshay is out. The Blazers are possibly the most boring NBA team to watch right now. Will changes be coming, and is there a name you'd like to see as GM at least from the ones we've seen reported we'll get to a quick little blazer hit before we get into the Seahawks at the top of the nine o'clock hour this is football Sunday
2: on the fan day with Mike and Rashad on 1080 the fan
3: last segment here in the first hour of football Sunday we're going to take a quick basketball palette cleanser before getting into the The dreadful Seattle Seahawks start the 9 o'clock hour. Don't forget, Fantasy Scramble coming up at 930. If you have any fantasy football start sick questions, you can text them to 503-250-1080 and we'll get to them there. So let's talk about the dreadful Blazers. Yes, the Blazers get embarrassed by the Celtics last night, which is nothing new because right now the team is completely destroyed and broken. I, I just in the break read through Jason Quick's latest piece, which he posted this morning or late last night. And it was day one, the first day that Joe Cronin, who's the interim GM right now, is on the job. And I guess he sat courtside with Jody Allen last night and talked to her the entire game. And the team is looking for a permanent GM hire. I'm sure Cronin is going to be considered for that, considering he's been with the Blazers for quite some time. He is a salary cap expert. Uh, That has actually been his title with the team for many years. He has most recently been the assistant GM and uh, has been promoted pretty uh, regularly throughout his tenure there.
4: So was he the one that said, yeah, that's enough for Alan Crabb. I think, that, I think we can do that. Was it him?
3: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, because if
4: that's the case, then we need someone else. <laughs> but how much do you want Evan Turner? Oh, I think we can do that.
3: After watching, well, actually, I didn't see the game last night. After reading about the game last night, um, I know that multiple injuries are out there, but it was another embarrassing loss. And the way Jason Quick put it was, CJ looks completely disinterested. He's just dribbling and shooting, which we've all been saying for years, but it's to a level of, of extreme right now for him. Nurk is no longer the Bosnian beast. I don't know if the injury is what is causing him to have so many issues. Maybe he's nervous after the broken leg. You know, some of the things were always problems with him, his ability to finish and having a little bit of loose hands. He's been really rough. Robert Covington... <sighs> can't play defense, I guess, even though he's supposed to be a 3 and D stopper, you know, a lot of players have been proving this year that they do not fit a team that wants to play defense. By the way, the Blazers ranked 30th in defense after last night's loss. Um, It was definitely a roster problem, Neil, and that's, I think, part of the reason why you got fired after this investigation. But I think what is nice about this all is it feels like the Blazers have one final chance to figure this out around dame because clearly with Olshay it was never going to be figured out because he was so stuck in his belief that these guards can win obviously they cannot whoever the new gm is before the trade deadline this year needs to make multiple moves right i said this in the off season if there are not major changes it is a massive failure there were not major changes and into my my opinion it was a massive failure If you do not make multiple trades this season before the deadline, I think it's not a massive failure, but I think you're not doing Damian Lillard justice at this point. I think CJ needs to go. I think Nurk needs to go. Expiring deal for him so he should be easier to trade in the first place. Uh, Even though, sadly, you gave up two first-round picks for him, Robert Covington isn't working out as you're starting four. Right. Maybe if you trade CJ and you move him up to the three, maybe it works a little better for him. But I don't know. He can't seem to stay in front of anybody right now. So whatever. Make three massive moves that change the entire complexion of the roster. You have Norm Powell. You just signed him to a long term deal. He is a shooting guard. He's not a small forward. Move him to shooting guard. Start to see her little. Dude's been awesome this year. Potentially deserving of that starting spot. He's also been one of the best defenders on the team so far, energy-wise. Um, go get a better center who can finish around the rim consistently and is more de- a much more defensive stopper than Nurk has become after the injury. You know, I, I don't know who that is. I've seen like Mo Bamba, for example, is a young guy in Orlando who's uh, still on his rookie deal but only has like one year left on the rookie deal who is a guy you could get to potentially mold into a superstar player, uh, superstar, wrong word, into a good, solid starting player for the for an NBA team. I mean, I don't know if Carl Anthony Towns is available. I, you know, he's got his own problems. But go, go try to get somebody who can play that center position better. You know, maybe it means going and getting Ben Simmons. I know a lot of Blazer fans soured on him as the process went on and he was a giant bitch about everything. But he would fix so many of the problems. Because he would give Damian Lillard a screen and roll partner who can, oh, I don't know, also go to the rim and finish, and he's also a great defender when he cares. It's uh, changes. Just go do the changes. Go I get mean, them done.
4: Yeah, I, I, I think that there should be some changes. Um, I, I think CJ is the first one, and yeah. honestly, at this point, I don't even say trade CJ for trade CJ for some draft picks at this point. Because well, there, there's a that's that's where that's where you're lacking because you let go because for Robert Covington you gave up uh some of your future the truth is if I'm being real Anthony Simons is balling this year he's really good and Anthony Simons has has gotten his arms have gotten longer he's grown into that body that he came into into like all of a sudden he looks like a a young a a man you know he's starting to look like a man out there and And he's
3: also no longer reacting to the game he's making the game he's making plays
4: and so he's right now averaging 12 points which is four less points than Norman Powell Norman Powell plays another you know nine minutes a game than he does Man, I say you put Anthony Simons in that that two that you know that two position, and you let things happen from there. Anthony Simons is already I think he's a better passer and defender than CJ is at this point, and I I, I like him as a rhythm shooter. Like he's somebody that's, that can. That's not hard, by the way. It's not. I'm mean, no, it, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's C. not that. hard because CJ doesn't give you much but points. That's that's who C.J. McCollum is, and, and this is why I always said, man, this Ben Simmons trade makes sense for the Blazers. They need somebody that can score on the perimeter consistently and then shoot free throws at the end of the game. The Blazers need somebody that can stop people on the perimeter and be able to make plays for our star. It works both ways, yep. and instead, you know, uh, we decided not to do that. Thanks a lot, Neil Olshay. But I think there are changes that need to be made, and I think the thing is now that Olshay's gone, we know that there will be changes made we don't know when i mean i think we're i we think might it's be gonna a- be
3: way sooner than a lot of people think
4: i mean it it quite possibly but you know lo- at look, point- at, look at where
3: they are right now it is still early enough in the season to save it right it has been 25 games there are still plenty of games left if you make big moves to make this team a play a potential playoff team again but you gotta you gotta go quick.
4: You you do, and there are some teams that, like you said, you mentioned Carl Anthony Towns. I think him playing with Damian Lillard would be uh, an, an amazing change of pace. I think that's uh, more of a, him. a pipe dream, but it, it is. Know. But I mean, but you look around. Pretty well you look too. around the league at, at teams that you know have guys they're probably trying to move on from, guys they know are probably not going to resign with them, and there's a probably a few of those people out there. It's just a matter of.
3: I saw coming, uh, the Rockets are shopping Christian Wood. I think that would be huge. You don't want to put your,
4: get your hands on Christian Wood a little bit. I think that would be good. I've you know, seen so. Miles
3: Turner as a name mentioned as a guy that, that you a, would want to bring a in. big who
4: can shoot threes and, and take people is off the of, dribble. Is, like,
3: you know, better at finishing. I think that that's – I just want to see it happen within the next month or so. The deadline's in February, right? So, you know, there's still time to get there. But it's the, – the time is now. Because right now you're losing every game and it's embarrassing to the point where you're going to dig yourself too big of a hole – you already have a hole because you brought in the guy you fired, brought in a head coach who had one year of coaching experience as an assistant. And maybe Chauncey Billups will become a good head coach. But right now, he's got a lot of growing pains he's going through. There were a lot of options out there with more experience that maybe would be a little bit more beneficial at this point. It's not totally Billups' fault. The roster is bad. I'm just saying that's another element to it where it's like it's really difficult when you have a guy who's never coached
4: before. Well, and also, you know, when you have three guards that are all 6'1", six, 6'2", six, yeah. um, I don't care what defensive scheme you come up with. It ain't working. You, 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 it's not going to work. It do, I mean, it doesn't matter how many, uh, how many extra bodies you throw at some stars and, you know, you can box in one all you want to. The truth is when your 1, 2, and 3 are all 6'2", and you're guarding guys like LeBron, who's six eight, and Paul George, who's six eight, and it, like it's just not gonna work. They're gonna shoot over you all day and get buckets. That's just the way that goes. So until you make changes, real roster changes, unfortunately, this is just the Blazer team that you're used to. So now all of a sudden we're seeing how good of a coach Terry Stotts actually was, mm-hmm. because he took all those players and all those things that shouldn't really work, and they were at least competing for playoff spots, and at one point competing for the for the fourth and fifth seed. Very
3: true. Terry we all we all knew Terry Stotts was a good head coach. We just didn't think he had a good defensive style, which, you know, you could argue I suppose, but the drop style certainly gave up a lot of easy shots. And you know, I think his message was falling on deaf ears. I still think moving on from Stotts was the right decision. I don't know if hiring Billups was the right decision.
4: I think I think moving on from O'Shea would have been a better decision first and then gone from there.
3: I think doing both. Yeah, right so and then, who do you want as the new GM? Because I really want them to go get Danny Ainge.
4: You said you want them to get Danny Ainge. Yeah, I don't want them to get Danny Ainge because that's the same guy that says I never saw racism in Boston. I want no parts of you. Oh, <laughs> no, thank you, no, thank you. That's, he is. That's, he is that's, that's that's a that's being as as you're choosing not to see certain stuff, and that's he, a that's oh, a bad sign. Man, I'm good. He said that. Yeah, this point. I would. I've I've never seen any not not on my watch as a player and as a GM. You've never seen any racist activity in Boston, Boston, Massachusetts. Get out of here. I'm sorry. I wanted
3: him because he's from here. One, which means you could get him. I'd love him. And two, basketball wise, he was a very good GM. uh, So
4: and and was willing to take big swings. Is uh, Masai uh, uh, Jerry? Is that how you say his last name? Yeah. Is if is is I know there were some issues in Toronto. I
3: don't think he's available because I've seen his name mentioned zero times. Yeah,
4: I mean, I know because yeah, but I know
3: there were some issues in Toronto a little while ago. So. There's a couple of guys who have been mentioned a lot are basically the the assistant GM in both um, Chicago and New York. I saw that. I guess they are basically the guys who make the decisions, but there's one person ahead of them who is like the final decision maker, but they both have a really, really good reputation around the league. Um, I, you know, not guys that you would have heard of otherwise, but could be potentially good hires. There's been so many names floated around. I'm not going to pretend like I know oh, RC, all the GMs. When RC Buford is he available? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Can we make him available? I don't. I. I don't think you're getting those well entrenched guys in a situation right now where it looks like Portland's falling
4: apart. Well, and I mean, when I'm looking at a situation like San Antonio, and it's obvious Pop is you know on his. On his way out and things like that. Boy, they're if,
3: bad. But except they play the Blazers and play great.
4: They play the great Blazers and have career numbers. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe one of those guys that's in a in a regime that's probably going to expire here soon. Maybe they might be looking for a new opportunity to do stuff. Can we get Jerry West as a, as a consultant? Everywhere he consults, they tend to do well. Can can we make that happen? We got a break.
3: I just saw this tweet come across the timeline. Based on our first hour conversation. This is from uh, Brandon Marcello, who works for Twenty Four Seven Sports. I've been told Mario Cristobal has not been committal with Oregon staff members recently about his future. Could be a weird Sunday.
4: Hmm. We've it's, seen interesting. We've seen coaches that are not probably coaching their team in uh, college football playoffs. So would it shock anybody if Cristobal accepted the Miami gig and left before the bowl game? Not at all.
3: Not me, at least. It just seems so weird that you would you would build up this program to a recruiting level where you, next year is supposed to be the first year where it pops, and then you leave it. Oregon's a gateway school. That's what it is—a gateway to Miami. So uh, I mean, at this point, he's, in time in college football, those teams backwards.
4: No, I mean, well, uh, perhaps, but I mean, again, you—it's—it's—it's—it's uh, you, it's, it's, it's South Beach, baby. It's—it's—it's <laughs> just, it's, just and it's home. It's just different, and then the fact that you won there when Miami was Miami. Yeah, it's different. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that.
3: But maybe there will be some news there today. Either way, staying or leaving for Miami. Coming up next hour, we have the fantasy scramble at 930. We're not going to be doing hate it or love it today. But I would like to begin the next hour with the Seattle Seahawks. Changes needs to be changes need to be made. Where do you start? What change needs to be made first? That's next. This is Football Sunday on the Fan.